and let the spirit of wisdom and revelation rest upon this word. Father, I just lay hold of the, the graces you've given me, the teacher, the prophet, the apostolic edge, Lord, and we just step into that by faith. And we thank you for the angel, Lord, that's here tonight. Lord, uh, open up your word to us as those uh, two disciples who are on the road to Emmaus that their hearts burned as you open the word to them. Open up the word to us. Teach us your ways, O God. Be glorified in this room. Let let signs follow the preaching of your word. And uh, Lord, we we declare our dependence upon you. So uh, teach us to be like you in the earth. And thank you for the privilege of where you've put us. You've put us in majesty, even tonight, right here on the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I, I, I felt like tonight, just as the teaching goes forth, there'll be an impartation, just the spirit of uh, revelation just released. So um, I just say that because it's sometimes just important to be aware of what's happening, you know. And you, um, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, sir, in the blue, what's your name? All the way in the back. Yeah, you, you were up a little closer before. Now you're, why are you all the way back there? Are you? Are you have evangelical roots? Are you afraid of me? And I, I'm messing. I'm, I'm having fun with you. What's your name? Uh, 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 David. David. Your name is David. Wow. My parents have a, a little boy. Um, actually, he's we we're legal guardians. Our family. If anything happens to my parents, he comes to live with me. So you pray my parents keep living. They're going to live a long time. <laughs> but his name is David as well. Um, the Lord says that you're God and that there Jesus is right in front of you and his voice is going to come to you as never before with wisdom, revelation, and understanding. And I feel like maybe you've been kind of um, trying to discern your position in the kingdom. And uh, this is like a word of wisdom. In the morning, God wants to speak to you. Not that he won't speak, but there's, there's seasons. In the morning, he wants to speak to you and give you understanding for the crossroads that you're at in your life. And he wants you to know he's very, very pleased with you. And that you, you really are peculiar, but it's peculiar that God has made. And it's a beautiful thing. And I just affirm that. I don't know if ever... Um, You've been trying to boxed in to be like something or normal or, or, or like, I shouldn't say, I don't like the word normal, uh, but like conform to your environment. The Lord says, I want you to define your environment in this season. What's your name? You go to church here, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is standing right in front of you. He's putting his hand on your head. And he's freeing your mind to think as he wants you to think in this season. And the Lord says to you that your problem is not your problem. It's just the way you've situated your thought understanding of your situation. Thank you, Lord. So uh, how many were here last night? Wonderful. Um, Last night we talked about uh, the essential part of how encounter is necessary for us to be everything that God intends us to be. It's Mike, right? 
sorry, sometimes I just pick things up. Uh, there, you have a very mystical side to you, but the Lord says you haven't seen anything yet. I just saw like a door open over you, and I believe the Lord's going to open your eyes to see angels, to see in the, like, he's going to give you, there's a prophetic gift that I believe flows like a bubbling thing, but it's going to come into a seeing realm where you'll see and speak at the same time. And the Lord says, you haven't seen anything yet in the things of God. And there'll be times, and the Lord says, don't get scared or don't think it's not me, but those times where you don't know if you're going to be in the earth or in heaven, because the Lord's going to... The Lord's going to bring you on a tour of the things of heaven in this season to make you effective in the earth. So we talked, we talked last night about um, the, essential, uh, um, the essential part of theophany encounter and consistent encounter and uh, how that is just a necessary part of us walking with God because... Uh, Without encounter, I believe certain things are not activated or realized in our life. An encounter can come in multiple ways. And tonight, I want to uh, focus on uh, how God teaches us to walk in the earth. And hopefully, we'll, 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 we'll look. I don't know exactly where we're going. But hopefully, we will. I like to have an understanding of the process of how God works with us. So if you have your Bibles, look at, um, we'll start here. First uh, Samuel two verse thirty five. <clears throat> First Samuel two verse thirty five. Excuse me. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he will walk before my anointed forever. This is. God speaking to the prophet Samuel, and he's telling him that he has rejected Saul as king. It's amazing that God can actually have thoughts and feelings towards people. He regrets making Saul king, and Jesus is fascinated by a pagan centurion soldier's faith. (laughs) That story is still like, how can you make son of God, son of man marvel at your faith? It's amazing stuff. Like, he said, let it be. Like, no, I know the power of words. So God is described here. And what's fascinating here, he's, he's, most, people, the, most people think he's talking about, obviously, David there. But most people also think he's prophesying about Jesus, the coming Messiah. And so God describes himself in Scripture as having a heart and a mind. And I want to suggest to you that this heart and mind of God is extremely intentional. In the beginning of time, and I said this last night, I believe if you want to understand what God intended for humanity, you have to begin in the book of Genesis to understand his original intent. And so I want to suggest to you that it was the heart and the mind of God who is very intentional. Now, I understand when people say that God created something out of nothing. Well, actually, I think that he had this desire for the earth, and out of his heart, he expressed it through words, and the words created the reality that he desired. So it wasn't actually something out of nothing. It was out of his thoughts that were intentional that spoke the word into existence, the the world into existence, excuse me. And it it says this, Genesis 1, verse 1, uh, when uh, in the beginning, New King James, but really not the best translation because 
one of the beauties about God is this, that he has no beginning and has no end. That's why he says, I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. That's, that's the beauty of God. That's the perf- that is the, the insight of God into seeing the end from the beginning, and that's why he makes us with a prophetic nature, because he doesn't necessarily deal with you in your, in your weakness. He deals with you in where he's going to take you. He's present future. So when time began, God created the heavens and the earth. I always find that, it, like, the, the very first verse, excuse me, I'm spitting now, I'm preaching good now. The very first scripture that he gives us in the Bible is fascinating to me because it's like, wait, God doesn't need a place to live. But he creates a place called heaven to show us what it, what, where he is comfortable and what he desires the earth to look like. And the earth was without form and void and darkness on the face of the deep. And so he, he, I always say this, he could have just said, I spoke the universe in existence and let me move on. But he is emphasizing how much power there is in the words that he speaks. And so he says in Genesis 1, 3 through 5, this is more message here, God spoke and light appeared. Genesis 1, 11 through 13, God spoke, earth green grow up in all the varieties. Genesis 1, 14 and 15, God spoke, lights come out. Genesis 20 and 23, God spoke, swarm oceans with fish and all the life. So he, he, he puts the universe into order through the words of his mouth. Excuse me. Two hamburgers today for lunch. Turkey burgers. Tomorrow I'm going to load up on beef. A lot of beef. Do you know what I'd like? You asked me what I wanted. Dr. Rosales is bringing the beef tomorrow. Spinach, broccoli, and asparagus. I'm going to eat like a carnivore tomorrow. That's a side note. The crown jewel of creation is found in Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And it is full of understanding of God's revelation towards, of, of how God wants to relate toward humanity. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth. We'll look at that phrase there, and I touched on it a little bit last night, but that phrase there, over all the earth, is exceedingly important to, I believe, having a biblical worldview. Over everything that creeps on the earth, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him male and female. One of the reasons you'll see that the enemy is assaulting uh, male and female identities in our culture today is because it's the very foundation of society. It is the heart of healthy societies, men and women. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to it shall be your food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and there is life, I have given you green food for it, and it was so. So let's look at a few characteristics. Obviously, we can't, I mean, you could spend the rest of the night unpacking it, but let's look at a few characteristics in there. In verse 26, he makes man in his image and likeness. Literally, that means it was 
likeness, modeled, pattern, resemblance after. Now, we are not humanity. What uh, Christianity is the only religion in the world that recognizes the dignity of all individuals. It's the only one. Like, you, you see sometimes in popular debate, like this, I, need a, I don't need a God to tell me it's wrong. Well, it was actually only till biblical values were put into the framework of society that people began to recognize it was wrong to murder people. So actually, you do. <laughs> so uh, we recognize the dignity of every individual because they are made in the image of God. And image, likeness, resemblance, pattern after. We are not little gods, but we are made in the image of God. And how God intended man to be on the earth was supposed to be the closest thing to God on the earth. Give you an example. Uh, years ago, I, I uh, got an email, uh, maybe six, seven years ago, I got an email. And uh, it was a picture of my dad of the farm he grew up on in Puerto Rico. And I said, oh my gosh, he was maybe three to five years old, probably around that age. And I looked at it, I go, it looks exactly like I did when I was that age. He was a good looking boy, huh? <laughs> 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 oh, I heard that. <laughs> Smart on your feet there. So I'm not my father, but I am made in the image of my father. You are not a little God, but you are to, if you are in right relationship with God, you are supposed to be the closest thing to God on the earth. So you're made in the image of God. Second characteristic we can look at there, and I, I told you, look at that phrase, over all the earth. That's a defining phrase in how God is going to relate to humanity. Because from that moment forward, God has released ownership of the earth to humanity. And he is so committed to his word, he will not violate his word. And from the moment he released that out of his mouth, now, if he's going to operate in the earth, he will need human agreement. I get gifts. I get watches that are gifts. And I don't wear watches because it's like another thing that I got to hold on to. And they're, I don't know, I just, I'm not really, maybe that's my classical Pentecostal upbringing. I don't, I don't really like a lot of jewelry. Had a, I don't know. I don't think it's wrong. I just don't have a lot of it. You know, I don't really, and Hispanics are big in that. They're like, you know, anyway, they, love, they live like in a 500 square foot house, and, you know, their kid's got like a $10,000 ring on it, you know, like, and he's like two months old. I never got that, but that's a different story. But I got one of these watches, and they all, they're all set on my bureau because they're prophetic gifts to me. If I had a watch and I gave it to Pastor Chris and go, hey, I think this would be a nice watch for you, giving you my watch. And a few weeks from now, I got to go to an event or something or a wedding. I go to lots of weddings. Well, maybe something prophetic in that. But, and I go, well, I'd look nice with that watch. I have given it to him as a gift. I cannot just break into his house and what would the boy say? Well, we used to, I used to own this watch at one time and I've come back to get it. <laughs> That's not going to fly. So he has given ownership of the earth to man. Psalm 100, uh, Psalm 8 or Psalm 
I have made you, I have given you dominion over the, all the works of my hands. Psalm 115. The heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of man. Now, humanity is made a steward and owner with stewardship responsibilities to be a gatekeeper of the kingdom of heaven in the earth. Now, a little more theological thought there. I believe that in that garden, it was absolutely perfect. Outside of the garden, he still had to put it in order. Verse 28, and he blessed them. Notice that they are blessed from the day that they are created. He also tells them in verse 31 that what he saw, he liked. He said, it's very good. So the beginning place for humanity was that they were blessed. God is consumed with life, abundance, and blessing on humanity. Some people just, often they just look at prosperity as as one-dimensional, money. Money is just one small part of that. But part of the blessing of the Lord is a sound mind. Part of the blessing of the Lord is your children's children together in unity, peace in your home, no strife. You know, that's the blessing of the Lord. But it sure does include money, so don't take out money from it. Because people get real, real weird when it comes to money in the body of Christ. Some people are going to have to go to Bible college when they get to heaven. (laughs) Like, what are you going to tell God? What do you need streets of gold for? There's children dying in the earth. (laughs) I don't think he should have that mansion that big. I don't think God asked you. (laughs) Like, I'm serious, though. Because he doesn't think small. The blessing is the favor of God, bestowed by God, bringing happiness, invoking God's favor. It's the empowerment to prosper. Verse 28 is also important. This is what God says, and it says, God said to them, the first voice that humanity ever hears in the earth is the voice of God. How did Adam know what to do? Through the voice of God. How does God intend to educate you today? Through the voice of God. Humanity's understanding of their assignment came through the voice of God. How does the knowledge of God come to you? Through the voice of God. Notice there, too, the same voice that speaks the universe into his teeth. Existence is the same voice now speaking to Adam and Eve. Look at verse 29 again then. And God said, see, I have given you every, every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields in itself. To you it shall be for food. Third point there that is also extremely important is this. Humanity was not created to take care of itself. You were not, now, This is where it gets real quiet with American. You don't hear many amens right away at that one. Amen, brother. I'm American, huh? You were not created to take care of yourself. Genesis 1, when time began, God wanted to be humanity's total source of supply. 
Everything that Adam needed upon the earth was either in the garden or he could receive it by simple trust in God. Also, extremely important, extremely important for you to understand how God originally intended you to operate is this. The human body was not created for fear, for turmoil, for worry, for any of the things that people battle inside of this world system. It was not created to have any of that. That's why often a lot of sickness is caused by uh, um, these type of things, worry, fear. These things are open doors that often cause sickness and disease to come upon people. The human body was not created for that. Here, oh, this is so awesome how God does this. Here's what God created Adam for. God created Adam for fellowship and for the extension of the kingdom of God upon the here of the earth. Adam was also made, and every person is created for this, for curiosity. Think about it. When he's put on the earth, there's no internet. There are no buildings. There's, there's not anything in the earth that, that we see often that was created with an understanding of the genius of the human mind. All these, but the potential for these to exist, to make life better upon the earth was there. So here's what God intended for Adam. That, out of, uh, uh, he, would, he would start, the, here's the other thing too. He starts at a place of rest. You imagine like, you are now the owner of the earth, Adam and Eve. Well, what do you want me, like, if, he's, if he thinks like me, I'm like, okay, where do we start? You know, a little overwhelming. And he goes, take the day off. <laughs> because one of the, one of the, I believe one of the defining characteristics he wanted to teach man that we must learn today is how to receive. Yes. Yeah. Our life of fellowship is not so much what we can say to God to get him to show up or get his attention. It's learning to live in that rhythm of what he's already given us. Learning to receive love. Learning to come into agreement. I am loved. I'm seated in heavenly places. Learning that rhythm of rest. Learning, this is even better, that relating to God is not like going to a casino. A lot of believers relate to God hoping he will help them. They put their prayer in. They put their tongue in. And what did he say? Or what's he do? I'm not sure. I hope he'll do something. And often, their time of relating to the Lord, they're actually praying for things that God has already freely given them. God, would you help me with this? No, no, he said he'd help you. Start at the place knowing that he'll help you. I don't know what to do. Oh, there's a word for that. If anyone lacks wisdom, anyone, not anyone, let him ask of God, who gives to all freely. But part of the key of that, often though, is what Peter commanded. Cast all your burden upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He can't care for you if you don't cast it on him. Often people come to God and want the situation fixed like they want it fixed. So it becomes, quite honestly, a form of witchcraft where you're trying to manipulate God because you still want to control the situation and you want it to end the way you want it to end. 
Got to really work with that one for me, for my unsaved relatives. So you're not to take care of yourself. And then in the first description of the co-laboring of men, of, of, of God and man, is this. Look at um, Genesis 2, verse 19. Of the ground formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Adam gave names to all cattle, to the bird, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpable comparable. I can identify with Adam, but that's a different <laughs> This is fascinating stuff to me. It is a picture, once again, of how God wants to relate to man. God, again, is the source. He brings those, those animals to Adam to name them. And now, I believe who's, who became the voice of God in the earth? Adam became the voice of God. The, I believe those animals knew no difference whether it was God or Adam because he was speaking the very words of God. What is one of the great effectiveness of Jesus on the earth? I hear and I only speak what he told me to speak. If you want to see what God intended for Adam, look at the life of Jesus. How do we know that Adam had the ability or the possibility to walk on water? Because Jesus walked on water. Yeah, that's where it gets real quiet. <laughs> but he's the source, and Adam begins to name those animals and we don't fully know because that, 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 that's made probably a conjecture we don't know about. But what, I, what is clear from the scripture is Adam's word was God's word. And part of those words set those animals into order as God intended them to be. Now, stop right there, too. Think about this. How does Adam know what to name the animals? There's no place that you see that God said God sent Adam to NC State for five years to learn zoology. <laughs> what qualified Adam to do the naming of the animals? The word of the Lord. Yes. Have dominion, subdue, and a brilliant mind. What kind of a mind is able to name animals? You were created with a brilliant mind. How do we know? I, I'm convinced that it was also his mind. Why am I convinced of that? Because we just talked a moment ago. Think about the, the things in the earth that have been created by just human, what we call human ingenuity, something like that, just a human mind that doesn't give credit to God. What about the mind of God coming to the earth and the brilliance of God being displayed? So the very same word that put the universe into order is now putting those animals into order. Here's another important thing about Adam's mind and how God intended to relate to it. It's this. Excuse me. There is nothing logical 
or intellectual about Adam naming those animals. Why is that important? Because in our Western world, we are in a society and often in a body of Christ that is, uh, that is governed by intellect, reasoning, and the philosophies of man. God is not opposed to your intellect. In fact, I find it interesting that he got fishermen and businessmen, and he called them his original 12. He's not opposed to that. He will, he will use that. But you can, and in fact, he's the one who gives you the intellect. But he was never, you were never intended to serve the Lord through your intellect. And then we know there's a shift in the earth. Notice, though, that the shift, shift only happens when Adam and Eve come into agreement with the devil. And notice, too, the power of choice that, first of all, God told them to subdue. Instead of dialoguing, they should have just subdued because the enemy was, they were given authority over the enemy from day one. Amen. I'm telling you, God has a twisted sense of humor. Seriously. You... God and devil are not opposites. I believe what the enemy wanted, what Satan wanted was, why is he down there? I believe the reason he, he, he wanted down there is because he wanted the worship that was only reserved for God in the earth. And God's, I'm telling you, he's, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I'm going to drive him nuts. He's like, okay, you want worship? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make people made in my image. They've never, the world has never seen anything like these people called human beings. And their highest delight will be worship of me. And I'm going to leave you down there. And I'm going to give them dominion over you. And every time they execute dominion over you, you'll know that I don't even have time for you. And then one day I'm going to destroy you. <laughs> I'm serious. There's, like God and the devil are not opposites. Like, nobody needs to pay for that pay-per-view. <laughs> but he doesn't step in. Why? Even though he knows this is going to be hurtful for the human race, he said, steward the earth, so he cannot step in and violate his word. I believe the enemy knew the only way I'm going to ever get a foothold in this world is if I can get him to agree with me because God is a God of his word. And something was lost in that place that I think is important to pull out for us here tonight. There was an innocence lost to humanity forever the moment they came into agreement with the devil. They were completely created to receive everything they needed from the Lord, all their wants, all their needs, all their affections, the pleasure of knowing God, the pleasure of discovering things in the earth. I believe, I, I didn't finish that thought. I believe God, at the end of the day, wanted to go, Adam, please go home. The day is over. He's like, oh, this is so awesome, God. No, no, go home, please. Tomorrow you can start again. Tomorrow I'll show you how to create a water slide. You know, whatever it was. <laughs> Work was not God's punishment on Adam and Eve. 
Do you know why, even in the body of Christ, people are consumed with doing nothing? Because they haven't enjoyed God first. Wow. Like even unbelievers, like you see this, unfortunately, a lot. People tell you a lot about what they think on social media. Thank God it's Friday. Like, what's wrong with you? I understand why the world thinks like that. But why are you thinking like that? I understand we want time. Oh, that's, that's, you, you were created to have lots of fun on your side. I'm not saying you won't do things that, you know, sometimes you won't like. I'm just saying that's not how God intended you to live. You ever hear that um, John Bevere story? He's working, I believe, at IBM. He's a brilliant man, by the way. He says, this guy, retirement party, I don't know, 30 years, 25 years, the company, he retires. He's like, man, I've worked 20 years basically in misery to, to work, to, to basically do something I can enjoy now in life. And he dies two days later. There's a lot of people in the world living like that, though. They're working, working, working. One day I'm going to retire. I want to retire when I'm 50. It's Western thinking, not biblical thinking. So they come into agreement. Death comes to humanity. The human race is corrupted from that day forward, and the earth is corrupted from that day forward. And a system comes into place in the earth that I refer to as the Babylonian system. What's the Babylonian system? It's really simple. It's man's way of now trying to make it in this world without God. And if you even, even made in the image of God, unsafe people are trying to create systems, philosophies to only restore what is found in the kingdom of God. Wow. Everybody's looking for like a revolution, revolution, brother, you know. And it is the human cry for what is only found in the kingdom of God. But there is something corrupted there. I want to touch on that. Is this. The innocence of Adam and Eve was corrupted and all of humanity was corrupted. Immediately, they looked inward. Immediately, how are we going to make it? What are we going to do? How are we going to make all this stuff? And that pressure that you see came upon them. But there was an innocence of only being governed by the knowledge of God that was lost to humanity. I was thinking about this. The Lord started giving me understanding a little bit of this. Um, last fall. And he also will give me examples from my upbringing. And my mom grew up one of 12 children in Puerto Rico, a preacher's kid, and she is a pure, holy woman. She is. No, she's not perfect. <laughs> you made her, you probably see that. <laughs> but my mom got married as a virgin. So you should say these things out loud. Because even in church now, there's like this spirit, like, she <laughs> didn't experience any life. Demonic thinking. It's even corrupted the church. And I remember as a kid, I could give you a bunch of different examples, but I remember as a kid, there was these two men living somewhere on the block or something. And I remember as a kid, my mom telling my dad, isn't that nice that these two men are living together with cats? <laughs> They're living together 
waiting for the right woman. Not waiting for the right woman. (laughs) Why am I saying that? In my mom's mind, she could never fathom what was taking place in that home. There was an innocence to her that God wants to restore to the people of God. I'm telling you, this is a season in the earth, and if you're struggling with something, there's no shame, there's no blame. You know, by hand, the hand of God sent to you. But I'm telling you, you don't want to have one little inch in the enemy's camp. Some people, I'm just, you know, I'm just missing church, or I just got this little thing here going on. No, he will take a little, little, and he will eat your lunch because he has legal right in any place that you are in agreement with him. He's a defeated foe, but he has legal access to that area of your life. You know, I, when I think about this, you know, there's times, I like anyone, I can enjoy good entertainment, little WWE, you know. But there's times the Lord will go, I want you to shut this off. And I think, well, that's a really good storyline. And then I think, you know what? In the realm of eternity, what am I talking about here? Right. So innocence was lost. But God's intention of how he wanted believers to be governed did not change. He wanted to continue to teach humanity how to live in complete trust to him. And he wanted to educate them according to the knowledge of God. Now, here's where it gets really, really, The good news is this, that, and and we touched on this last night, everything that was lost by Adam was restored in Jesus. And God's intention did not change as as it pertained to humanity. He just needed Jesus to come as fully God, fully man. The the, the humility of Jesus is beyond description. The God who speaks the universe into existence comes and he, uh, he puts himself within the limits of the humanity he created. And you can't forgive that person at work. Come on now. Before the foundation of the world, God's divine plan was the restoration of humanity. Revelation 13.8, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have been written in the book of life, slain before the foundation of the earth. (laughs) Even though he didn't intend it, he had a plan. Jesus already had, made, had decided, I'm going to step forward for humanity. Think about it, too. It was Eve who started the string of 
sending the earth in a direction that God didn't intend. And here, again, here's the, here is the crazy little, not crazy little, but like the honoriness of God. Where does he put the Messiah in? A young teenage girl. And God wanted to restore to humanity the brilliant mind. Here's what he preaches when he From that time, Jesus began to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The preponderance of Jesus' teaching, preaching, and demonstration was not about establishing a religion, but about teaching about a kingdom. And the first thing he says is, change the way you think. Repentance is a great gift. Change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven at his hand. What is he going at the root? The root of his original intention for humanity was the brilliant mind of God on display, the heart and the mind of God on display to the earth. But the, 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 the fulfillment, Jesus came to preach, teach, model what was available for all of humanity, but it doesn't find its apex unless he dies and resurrects. But now Christ has risen from the dead and become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. That's the gospel right there. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. That's really good news right there. That the life that you came into the earth with He's like, I don't even, like, think about probably what happened before the foundation there. If he's like, well, how are we going to teach him how to live the life we really need to? And you can see Jesus like, I got it, Father. I got it. Just totally kill that thing when I die on the cross and give him a new life even better than what you intended for Adam. But each one in this order, Christ the first fruit, Afterward, those who are Christ at his coming. So now, what's very interesting, what God restores to humanity when Jesus dies, it's this. It's that place where humanity no longer has to take care of themselves anymore. You were so, we were so dysfunctional that he, this is another brilliance of God. Everything that he's asked you to do, he's given you the power to do even to get born again. Paul tells us twice, what by faith are you saved? Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Romans 12, and God has given to each person the measure of faith. So what does he restore? He restores that childlike trust to humanity, and even to get into the kingdom, he gives it to you to respond to the gospel message. But just like in the garden, he says, you have to agree. But it's not just, I agree that Jesus is Lord, it's I agree, and now I am putting my complete trust. A lot of people believe that Jesus is Lord. That's the difference between biblical faith and just, I, I say that something exists. I am putting my complete trust 
because I am a sinner in need of a God, and I recognize he is the God and Lord of my life. And the beauty about it, it is not something that you can get in your own strength, in your own performance. And then the beauty of it is when you come in, now you are given everything that was given to Jesus when he walked here on the earth. That's why he says, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're not trying to be righteous. You are righteous in that moment. And your life of sin has been done away with. And now he's present future. And he's not dealing with sin anymore. He's dealing with areas that need upgrade in righteousness. And the beauty about this, the, the, the gift of faith, one of the characteristics of faith, and this is why faith is so, such a beautiful gift to you. Faith is such a beautiful gift is because it is God's gift to you to no longer be governed by the five senses. And faith is a portion of God himself. Look at uh, Mark, the 11th chapter. Everybody with me? Excuse me. Mark 11, verse 12 through 14. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. (laughs) I, I like to just stop there because it shows the humanity of Jesus. He was hungry, and when he, seeing from a fig tree, seeing afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something in it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again, and his disciples heard it. Now, there's a little minor story in there about Jesus overturning tables and stuff. It's very minor, so let's just skip that part. I'd throw that in there. But the story picks up, and it says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, the fig tree dried up. Notice there, too, because we'll, hopefully we'll get to it, and I've gone a while, but I'm going to go a while tonight. So if you finish before me, you're free to go. Um, <laughs> notice there, though, when Jesus speaks to that fig tree, In the middle stories, it doesn't go, and Jesus went to the Father like, hey, God, what are you doing about that tree? Like, did it do anything? He is confident that what he spoke to that tree will take place. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Now, it's fascinating. God, Jesus speaks to an object. I would say, Jesus spoke to objects, and so can you. I speak to everything. I do. You think, people think it's funny. I speak to my luggage, because I don't like wearing the same clothes more than 24 hours. Last year, I passed a million miles on Delta. I have never lost my luggage in Jesus' name, and I never will. And maybe, I I really, it's probably been no more than five times that my luggage got delayed. 
Because I put my hands on it. I said, I'll see you where I'm going. <laughs> you will go. Isn't that times I've seen angels go with it? But notice that Jesus goes from speaking to the tree, and immediately Peter's astounded, and he goes into this teaching on faith. So Jesus connects faith with speaking. Then he makes a statement that I want to zero in on. Remember, faith is a portion of God himself. Verse 22, and he said, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Literally is have God's kind of faith. So apparently, God has faith. And he gives it to you to respond to the gospel message. Whether you have it in you as a human being or you get it when you hear the gospel message, it's that measure of faith that gives you the ability to respond to the gospel message. Let's just look at this because I think it's Ephesians 2. Verse 8, for by grace, great best definition of grace I've ever heard is God's overwhelming desire to treat humanity as though they've never sinned. For by grace, you've been saved. What? Through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So faith, whether you have realized it or not, is a portion of God himself that he gives you. Every person is given a measure of faith at salvation. Here's where it gets even better. God has given you the gift of faith, not only to develop, but if you'll develop, develop it properly, everything that you will ever have need of, you can receive by faith. Why is that beautiful? Why? Because it allows you to not be governed by the world system. You don't, need to, you don't need to smooth your way to the top. You don't need to manipulate your way to the top. You don't need to try and do things. You can trust the favor and the blessing of the Lord on your life to cause the faith of God for you to overcome every situation. First John, and this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I like that. Verse four, for whatever is born of God, how many are born of God? Overcomes the world. Doesn't say you win some and you lose some. Doesn't say, well, you brother, you just never know what God's gonna do. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's No. Brother, you just can't do it like some of those saints of old, like Brother Roberts. Nonsense. 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 There are no class of people in the earth. Before the foundation of the world, God had made provision for you to be made right with him. Salvation. But salvation did not just include becoming born again. It included everything you would have need of upon the earth. He had your spouse in mind. He had all the money in mind that you would ever need. He had everything in his mind that you would ever need to be successful and to overcome this world through him. 
Everything you have, oh, this is really good. I think it's good. It makes me happy. Everything that you would ever need for on the earth is already paid for. You got it? Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> He's not withholding anything you'll need. Here's another thing I've learned with God. With God. And it's not shame, no blame. I'm working on it myself. Jesus did not die so you could make payments. He died so you could own. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he that believes that is the son of God. So it's a gift of faith that gives you the ability to overcome the world. Now, I usually... Sometimes teach for five or six hours on faith. But I want to look at one more principle and then look at how he grows our faith, educates our faith, and uses it to change our belief system. Principle in faith that is really, really important to understand is this. Is faith is a gift given to you to understand. But you put your faith into what God has said, and then you understand. You don't understand and have faith. But your origin into the kingdom defines how you live in the kingdom. You know, most evangelicals will say, if we've been around and kind of learned this the right way, we would never say we earned anything on our own merit. But often we know that we didn't get into the kingdom in our own strength, but often we think we have to receive things in the kingdom by our own strength. So your origin into the kingdom defines how you live in the kingdom. You live in the kingdom, you come into the kingdom of faith, not based on your own strength, your own ability, and now you have the privilege of living in the kingdom and receiving everything he ordained for you before the foundation of the world by faith. So think about this. If you're born again, this is what you believe. There was a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit eternally existing who speak the world into existence. Create a perfect man, perfect woman. You give him ownership of the earth. There's a devil that comes as a snake. That's interesting stuff. Like, if you're bored reading the Bible, do you need to get born again? <laughs> this is really interesting stuff, really. Yeah. They agree with the snake. They're, <laughs> no one, I never see the commentaries like, why is a man you know, talking to a snake? But yeah. it's not logical. He talks to a snake. Death and destruction come into the world, but God's intention remains the same. He's still after redeeming the earth. A man called Abram of the Chaldeans. If you're Southern, Chaldeans. But, and he goes, in you. What does he tell him? He's, he wants to make covenant with him. So what? The, the nations of the earth will be blessed. It's fascinating. Look at the pattern there. He starts with a man, and then he looks for a man to redeem the earth. And I believe he still has covenant with the nation of Israel. If you don't believe that, you can choose to be wrong. <laughs> and Abram is not a perfect man. Later, he changes his name to Abraham. 
What's one of the things I think he uses to build his faith? He said, look out. Stars. What does faith do? Faith gives you eyes to see. Faith, uh, Abraham's too pucker to tucker. But he conceives a child. Creates this nation called Israel. What does he tell Israel? He goes, I'm not, I'm not choosing you because of anything you, you're, you know, that's extraordinary about you. I'm choosing you that when people look at you, it's like, oh my gosh. Their God is the true God. And what's fascinating about Israel is he tries to disciple them according to every sphere of their life. Education, business, he teaches them. He gives them a law. Moses, the law that God gave to, to Moses is, is underpinning the, the, the moral law of most developing nations today. He wants face-to-face encounter. Children of Israel reject it, so they get this whole prophetic system. Nation of Israel, does, and all the time, he's going, there's a Messiah coming. There. Why? Because he's Israel doesn't fully fulfill God's purpose for, their life, for them. But in between that, everything he promised them, in 300 years, he fulfills. They don't fully fulfill God's promise for, the, for, for them. 400 years of silence in the earth. Like, that's a bad time to be. Some people are like, it's really bad, brother. No, that's bad when God doesn't speak for 400 years. That's a bad time to be alive. Sorry if you were born knowing that time and you're listening tonight. (laughs) That's true. They're not dead. They've just gone to a different place. And then we've talked about it tonight. God, the angel of the Lord, comes to a young teenage girl. Hey, by the one. The, prof, all the, the, the one that the prophets in your nation have spoken about for hundreds of years, he's going to be inside of you. I don't understand this, but let it be according to your word. A bold young lady. Yeah, the church goes a little off the kinder praying to her. I don't pray to Mary. Anyway, I pray like Mary did in Jesus' name. <laughs> Joseph. Gets the angel too, so he protects her. He grows up perfect child. Imagine, I mean, like, Jesus' brother and sisters definitely are on Dr. Phil's couch in heaven. Like, imagine growing up in that home. Why don't you be more like Jesus? You know? He does everything his mom says. You know? He doesn't go into ministry right away, he goes into marketplace ministry. He's a carpenter. You know, like, his stuff, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm convinced Jesus' stuff was not on sale. It was perfect. <laughs> You're like, can I get a deal on this, Jesus? You probably just looked at you. Okay, okay, I'll pay, pay, full price, full price. <laughs> <laughs> he picks 12 men who Luke describes as ignorant and unlearned. Imagine the power on his words that men would leave everything to follow him. He speaks like no one else spoke, but he lives to die. 
He knew. No one took his life from him. Like people like the enemy. No, the enemy didn't take him out. He constantly, read John. He, that's a constant theme of, of John's gospel. No one takes my life from me. I give it up willingly. The beauty of Jesus. He dies. He doesn't just Hollywood die. Sometimes I think we lose the significance that he actually died. It wasn't like, oh, like, there's Jesus, but he's really not dead. He died so that all of humanity could live. Comes alive, appears for 40 days to his disciples. What does he teach? He teaches not tell them to be born again. He teaches about the kingdom of God. That's what the Bible says. And then he, he has the audacity to say, all authority has been given to me. That's what we believe if we're born again. You don't understand that and then have faith. You have faith that causes you to understand that. Here's how the writer of Hebrews said it. Now faith is the assurance. This is the amplified, making it louder. The title deed, the confirmation of the things divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. For by this kind of faith, men of old gained divine approval. How'd they gain divine approval? By faith. And this is what he says. By faith that is with inherent trust, enduring confidence in the power and the wisdom of the goodness of God, we understand. Hebrews 11.3. It doesn't say we understand and have faith. We have faith that causes us to understand. So many people like want to figure it out. But here, oh, here's another beautiful thing about faith. Faith is not blind. That's dumb thinking. When you understand God, it is not blind. Ain't no such thing as blind faith. Faith is rooted in confidence in God. I know who I have believed and what I am persuaded that he's able Need a good organ tonight. <laughs> I remember one night, African American preacher, I was in a meeting, and he kept saying, He's able. He's able. And I finally got it. I'm thinking, Why is he saying that? And then I got it. He's able. So here's what we do we come into this kingdom with this gift of faith, and the gift of faith. And the mind of God work in synergy to teach us to think like God, but also see like God. This is really important because the way you view God is the way you view the world around you. And we've all, it's important to recognize we have been all educated to think a certain way in this room. It's amazing to me how environment has shaped the way I think. There are things that I do exactly like my parents that they never sat down and said, Abner, this is the way. Something up by being in an environment for many, many years. Now, what's important is this, that as we walk with God, as we fellowship with God, and here's what's going to happen in this community over the next year. Because when God moves, it exposes trauma, wrong thinking in our life. 
So it's important to go, okay, got to repent of that one. And I would say, deal quickly when God shows you. Like, don't, don't wait six months. Don't wait, just deal with it. But we have been all educated a certain way, and to a certain extent, we have been educated by the world system. So we, 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 this is important because often people are trying to add God to their current thinking instead of allowing their thinking to be replaced by God. And so that's why I said last night, everything has to be on the table. But as he teaches us how to think like him, we will begin to get his results. There's two statements that Jesus makes that I want to focus on. It's this. Well, actually, more than two. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, notice the emphasis of Jesus' teaching. He will constantly point to the way you think and perceive reality. Unless one is born again, that is literally born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he says, when you become born again, it gives you the privilege of seeing the world differently. That's why this whole concept that, the, that, that sometimes in the church we need to get the, well, well we're, just sin, you know, we're just like everyone else, but we got Jesus in our life. That is so ignorant. And it justifies our lack of fruit and effectiveness in the world. Then he says this, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. So we know that God's word is true. And he says, if your belief system is correct, you will see the glory of God. So where does the enemy work? To challenge the belief system of believers. And then he says this. He's in this dialogue in John 6. And I encourage you to read it because it's a fascinating dialogue that he has in John 6. Then he said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Then he answered and said to him, this is the work of God that you believe in him he sent. What's the work of God? Believe. This points to another truth of walking with God in the kingdom of God that's extremely important. When you become born again, you don't get a shirt from heaven that says, I have faith now. You don't get a, 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 a ticket that says, I have self-control. I have peace now. Why? Because the kingdom is an inside-out kingdom. It's an internal reality that when your internal reality is correct, your externals begin to change as God intends it to change. So we come into the kingdom with dysfunctional thinking, and it is the role and the beauty of the Holy Spirit to begin to teach us how to think in this, uh, in this unlimited kingdom so that everything is possible. Stop right here. This is really, really important because if we don't get this, the supernatural does not happen by happenstance as a lifestyle. It is a very intentional way to live, and, and discerning the process of God helps us be effective in that lifestyle. So how does he begin to teach us? He begins to teach us according to his word. Obviously, everything you need is in the book. 
This book will make you prosperous. This book will make your mind well. This book will give you success and is meant to transform nations. But he doesn't just give that. We're supposed to have a fellowship with the God who wrote the book. And he gives us encounters with the God who wrote the book. But one of the number one ways, it's he builds our understanding like a spiritual house. Jesus said, there are many things I'd like to tell you. That means we have to hear, respond, and steward what he's told us so he can begin to revelation on revelation on revelation on revelation on revelation on revelation. That's why there is no blessing in being ignorant. And the enemy fights truth coming into the earth. So what happens is this. When we hear something, it is so important to honor the word of God when you hear it. Because what does Paul teach? Faith comes by hearing. So that fit, that gift of faith comes to you as a gift to go, I don't even fully grasp this, but I know, God, what you just said is true. So in Jesus' name, I receive that word by faith. It's so important to, to and for me, I, I get real Pentecostal. Sometimes I got to stand up. Sometimes I got to pause. Now it's not a CD player. I'm getting a CD player because anyway, there's no CD player in my car anymore. But I'll pause it and I go, in Jesus' I received it. About a year ago, we started the year with a conference for our own ministry. And I was listening to another conference speaker. I said, that's the word of the Lord. I don't care what you think. I got to stand up. I go, I received that from the man today. Jesus spends teaching us about this process. He would say, he who has ears, let him hear. And then he teaches us that even though the word of God comes forth, even though people, it has the ability to change people, to change the inside of them, to change their belief system, that when they hear it, it doesn't mean they've actually received it. He teaches about it. It's encouraging to read uh, Matthew 13, but here's, here's what he says. Uh, Matthew 13, there's an explanation of this parable. Therefore, Matthew 13, 18, excuse me for a moment. Hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears what the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, we saw that faith causes us to understand. So I don't think it's a distortion to say when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't wrap their faith around it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. Why does he have the ability to steal what is sown in their heart? Why? Because they are not coming into agreement with what God is saying. And here's the thing. That word comes to liberate you into the possibilities of the kingdom. So you can be literally free by God, but unless you're in agreement, you are still as bound as an unborn-again person. It's fascinating stuff. This is he who received the seed by the wayside, but he who received the seed on the stony ground, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yes, that's the word of God, yet has no root in himself. What's, what's the root system? The root is the heart. What, is, what does Solomon say? Proverbs 4, this is why it's so important. 
Above all, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it flow the issues of life. That heart needs to be protected. That's why you you have no place for unforgiveness. You have no place for holding judgment. You have no place for that in any part of your heart because it will stop the seed of that word from coming in. It has no root himself, but only endures for a while. And notice this, there will, difficulty will come. Why? Because the, the, there was, you, you'll notice a characteristic of always hearing this word is there will, in every place, even if it produces what God intends, tribulation will come. When persecution arises, why? Because of the word. And just keep on mind for this. Sometimes, unfortunately, it's sometimes people close to you. Oh, you go kind of, I mean, you go kind of long at the father's house. I mean. I mean, how much money have you given to the church in the last year? <laughs> you know, I noticed up north, a certain group of people, like, they don't ever go to church, and then someone in their family gets bored again, and they say, I can't believe you're forsaking the church. <laughs> people get very spiritual. What is that? It's attack on their identity. David, before he conquers Goliath, has to go through an attack on identity from his own brother. He basically tells him, you're just the guy who takes care of sheep. Now, he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word. Now, catch this. This is why I said last night. Matthew 6.33 has got to be a settled issue in your life. Here's the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and becomes unfruitful. Cares of this world. I don't believe the cares of this world are things that we know are blatantly wrong. I believe that. Like, that's why unbelievers don't tell you when they're doing bad things. Because they know it's wrong. This is, I believe, someone who hasn't made it a settled issue in their heart that God is first. They're in a meeting or they're somewhere and they hear, oh, there's going to be this men's meeting on Tuesday and men are going to get together and or, or, or there's a, a conference that we're going to as a church and, and, and God immediately bears witness. And I'm not saying you have to be at everything. I'm not saying that, but you bear witness. I got, honey, we got to go to that. And suddenly, that day that you're supposed to go, you haven't worked on the weekend in eight weeks. But they put you to work. But all you got to do is tell your boss that you don't want to work that day because you have that flexibility at your job. But you know, money's a little tight because you've been tipping God. And because you still think you got to take care of yourself. See, you often find even a scriptural reason why you don't need to do what God told you to do. Well, you know, you got, you know, you got to take care of your family, you know. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's true, but you know God's called you to go to that meeting. It's not that God turns you away, but the development that he wanted you to receive Whatever it was, the relationship he wanted you to build, you've allowed it to be choked out by the word that you receive. Because Matthew 6.33 isn't a settled issue. So you'll run into lots of issues when that is, and it doesn't mean, doesn't mean God is not looking for perfect people. He's just looking for people who position themselves in that way. 
doesn't mean you won't miss it. So no, okay, repent, move on. No, don't do that shame, blame thing. But just keep tracking. I encourage people, write that thing down every day. Write it down with your spouse. We will, we will put God first in everything we do. We will put God, you know, I th- you know personally, to be a little honest, I think in the next year and a half I'm going to get married, it's going to be in my marriage covenant. We'll put God first. We're going to be tithers. Now, we're not going to do any of that sickness and disease stuff because I don't plan on being sick or broke. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 is what's in the Bible for me. But it'll be, we will be tithers. We will be givers. We are making a covenant before Almighty God. Why? Because he's the source of everything we'll ever need on the earth. And it gets really good. But he who received the seed on the ground, on the ground is ground is he ground is he who is he who he their faith around it, who indeed bears fruit, produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Notice there, and this is the process here, a little bit, and then we'll land the plane. Notice there though the word comes in seed form. It doesn't come in full manifestation form. But what begins to change? So we look on the things which cannot be seen. For the things that we see are temporal, but the things we cannot see are eternal. What you see is supposed to be determined by what you cannot see. And once you say yes to God, you begin to set into motion everything you need in the supernatural realm to come on your behalf. But here's what I've learned. It will come as a seed. And you know why this is so important? Because I believe, and I have it as part of my word for this year, that this year will be defined by brilliant revelation for the people of God. It doesn't ever go beyond the word. But what did Paul pray? Ephesians 1. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, this is one of my number one prayers, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to be a theologian of your beauty, God. Because when I know you, I know some stuff in the earth. Because you own it all. But it comes in seed form, and it comes on the inside, and it's got to be watered over and over and over again. There are things that God has told me that I have received, but has not become part of my belief system yet. So what have I learned to do? The word, the word, the word. I remember years ago, maybe eight years ago, he's gone on to be this amazing prophet, gave me this word. And he blows his trumpet, and he does this prophetic thing, and I'm on the floor. And I'm thinking, oh, that's awesome. And I hear him prophesying. And when I listened to the recording later, it was only then that I realized he was prophesying over me. Because the things he was saying was so beyond where I was living. So it didn't become part of my belief system. I had to hear it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Most people in this room would probably say, yes, I believe God's a divine healer. But what's the first thing you do when something comes against you, you or your family in that area? Not against doctors, but is it call the doctor or let's pray. Let's come into agreement. Where's the word?
So what is an important part? Romans 10. So then faith comes by hearing. An Abner translation, and hearing, 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 and hearing. You might get you might get real sick coming here every week. We're gonna have revival, of course, like because at some point it's gotta go beyond just coming into agreement to becoming part of your belief system. And when it becomes part of your belief system, it becomes part of everything that you do. And it's interesting, you asked me a question last night about working out. I don't even think about certain things in my life. It's just become part of my life. Think about it, how, how you learn. When you first learn to drive, right, you, like, you check all the mirrors and look out and everything. Now, when you get in a car, most of us just pull out without even, it's become part of our consciousness. Why? Because we've learned to think a certain way. We'll close with this. Honestly, I'm just going to be honest. Even over the last maybe year, I used to be, I used to love current events, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I stick up. I still listen to certain things. <laughs> things make me laugh. But God, I'm not mature enough to even watch Fox News because it'll just get me mad. And then I got to repent. And, <laughs> and it just takes me off of certain things. At night, I've been practicing more and more, just even taking two minutes just to look at the word, to meditate on the word. Because there are certain things where my belief system still is not at that place. Joshua 1, probably familiar to us if we've been the body of Christ for any period of time. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving you, the children of Israel. Notice that God has already given it to him. He doesn't have to work for it. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. But notice that Joshua is the one who's got to do the walking. Nowhere in Scripture do you find this. And, and God can break in and do certain things. But to live this lifestyle, nowhere in Scripture do you find, like, well, if the Lord wants me to have it, he just knows right where I am. <laughs> the Lord gave me a word eight years ago. He's going to do this. I'm like, what, what have you done? Have you inquired of the Lord? What is your responsibility? From the wilderness, the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea going toward the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand in front of you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong. Notice how many times he's going to tell them, be strong and courageous. I, the longer I've walked with the Lord is, you, you, there are no wimps in the kingdom of God. Like if you really want to walk this thing out, you need boldness. You need tenacity. You need to 
have the ability to believe maybe something that's never happened in your family will happen through you. Like that's, that's not a weak person. That's someone who has to find their strength in God. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Huh. He always says that, doesn't he? Be strong and of good courage for this people. You shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Notice that there's a, there's a, there's a duality happening there. God is asking Joshua to be obedient for the benefit of other people. Our obedience is supposed to be the benefit of other people. So beautiful, like, you know, when you, God, you know, put it on your heart, do this, do that, you know, so here, and they go, man, that's exactly what we needed. Thank you, God. I want to be more like God. Be strong and of good courage. For this you shall divide as inheritance the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. One of the things I've learned, to walk things out that God has given you, you have to start in faith, stand in faith, and finish in faith. A lot of times we'll start in faith and then, you know, it was God through Jesus who called Peter into a storm. But in the middle of the storm, he said, I'm going to teach you how to walk on water right here because I gave you a word that you could do it. So you got to start in faith, stand in faith, and finish in faith. And notice that when he begins to fall, Jesus, you know, like, I'm convinced a lot of people would think Jesus is a cruel pastor and leader if he lived today. He doesn't bless your heart. Nobody's ever done this before. (laughs) He doesn't tell them that. And we know he's not mean or cruel. He goes, oh, you of little faith. Or why, why were you faithful? You start to do is keep looking. Oh, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn. I like this, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Notice again, he connects meditation and speaking. Your greatest encourager should be yourself. Speak the word of God. Encourage the word of God. Declare the word of God over yourself. And then when you leave that place, don't go saying something contrary. Help each other as friends. Have friends, they say, you know, speak negative things over their life. I said, I'm not coming into agreement with that. If you want the enemy to curse you, you curse yourself. Stay above strife and gossip. I got a saying, I'm working on something. That's why I can't get involved in that. 
shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's final homework assignment. Ask the Lord for opportunities in your day to grow in these things. Even if you have a wonderful, intentional life of fellowship, maybe instead of listening to certain things on the way home from work, you put in the word, or you listen to your prophecies, or you just whatever, maybe right before you go to bed, you know, whatever, you always watch a movie with your wife, maybe don't watch the whole thing and just spend 20 minutes just agreeing together, talking about your dreams. Ask God for wisdom of how you can accelerate this thing in your life. Just, I mean, it takes commitment. But I've, I've noticed that in our yes, he gives us grace. Sometimes I'll just ask God, God, wake me up early so I can spend a little more time with you. Because in the end, what are we doing? We're storing up our treasures in heaven. Receive this word. I just feel like there's um, a sound that God wants to release with this word. And so Hosea eleven twelve says, they will follow the Lord and he will roar like a lion. So just as a sign of receiving this word tonight. In fact, let's just stand all across this room. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to count to three. And as a sign that we've received this word and that we're just coming into alignment with this word, I just want you to just lift your voice to God on three as one. And there's something because we, we need each other. Amen. Not only do we need each other, we need this thing of unity together as one. Amen. We can't do this thing on our own. So on three, we're just going to just lift your voice up to the Lord. One, two, three. Yeah! So just lift your hands. Just pray for you. In the name of Jesus, I bless you by the authority God has given me to be governed by the word of the Lord like never before. I say that you will eat, breathe, and enjoy the word of the Lord. I say that this will be a season from this day forward where God causes the word of the Lord to bring divine alignment in your life. I say that your belief system will be upgraded from glory to glory, from faith to faith. I bless you with the gift of faith tonight. Faith to understand, faith to see, faith that would give you eyes to overcome everything of the evil one. And I say over you that God is exposing any area in your mind and your heart where you've agreed with the enemy. I declare that a righteous seed is being planted in you and your family's line. I declare the decisions you will make will affect generations to come. I say that power comes out of your mouth from this day forward. I say that you will begin to 
co-labor with the Lord to create the world that you will live in because you can have what you say. You will speak to the mountain and it will obey you. And you can believe that you receive it because you've come into agreement with God. I say faith will grow like never before. I say that 2018, the group of people in this room, the Father's house, to walk by faith and not by sight as never before. I declare that they learn that internal GPS system of what it means to walk with the Lord. I declare that you will see the goodness of God as never before. I declare understanding the nature of God helps you connect with God through faith, that you understand that the mercy, the, the mercy of the Lord endures forever and his righteousness extended to you. I break you free by the power God has given me of any shame, guilt, condemnation, and even judgment you've put over yourself. I break you free from any judgments in the name of Jesus that you've ever put on yourself. I free you to walk this thing out. You are free. Because he who the sun sets free is free indeed. May you understand freedom in a new way. May you understand the abundant life that God has opened the door for you. I see just the Lord just filling many of you with his spirit, just his glory, his oil just being poured all over you. And we just bless that all across this room. May you see from the Father's perspective as never before. Give me. I release the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and merciful to and grant you shalom. May the blessing of the Lord that makes you rich and adds no sorrow and no toil of this world system be realized. May you understand that the blessing of the Lord works when you're sleeping and when you're awake, and that the blessing of the Lord will cause you to prosper in ways you could not even imagine. And may you know that no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. May you be a testimony of the goodness and the kindness of God. May your testimony be over and over again when people say, what, how has this happened or how have you gotten this? You will say, God has been good and faithful to us. And God can be good and faithful to you as well. May the peace of the Lord always be your portion for eternity. May you lean into the favor of God. The favor of God is on you. The favor of God surrounds you. And the favor of God opens a door no man can shut in this world system. And I declare over you 
what Mary said. Let it be according to your word. And that no word from God to your life is void of power. No promise and no word over your life is void of power. Tonight, in Jesus' name. Now, there's a wonderful grace here to just minister to each other. So just take a few moments and just begin to minister to that person next to you. There's healing in this room. Maybe find out if they have anything wrong with their body. But let's just take a few moments and just, just pray. And you have to open your mouth to do that. So just be a blessing to that person next to you.